Welcome to Eagle Brook Church Online. I am so glad that you have tuned in today. Over the past couple of weeks, we have been going through a collection of relationship talks called Drive Through Love, where we are looking at different uh, restaurant chain slogans to speak on relationships. Week one, uh, Jason talked about have it your way on how we can improve our relationships. Week two, uh, John gave a fantastic message uh, based off of the White Castle slogan, uh, what you crave, and it was all about how we can navigate expectations in a relationship. This weekend is a little bit different though. Because what we realize about people who are single, divorced, or in a complicated Zoom relationship with someone is that the challenges they have relationally are vastly different than those that are married. So uh, I decided that we could write two messages this weekend and uh, people can pick the message based off of their relationship status. So if you're watching this message right now, you have chosen the married message. So this message is tailored for all of my married friends. And today's message is called, I want my baby back based off of Chili's. Now we know Chili's isn't a drive-through, but you can certainly get it to go. Today, I wanna to talk to you about communication and conflict in marriage. I believe that today is a day where God maybe wants to restore some things in your marriage that have been broken for a very, very long time. My prayer for you today is that today's message would equip you with some tools to communicate effectively and resolve conflict. Now, here's the deal. The reason we struggle to communicate and resolve conflict is because men and women are different. Uh, maybe you didn't know that, but uh, there's a couple of memes I saw this week. As you can see here, uh, the bride and groom are both reading uh, some letters maybe that they wrote to each other before they, they went walked down the aisle. And you can kind of see her emotional uh, side and you can see his emotional side. I mean, he, it, it's just men and women are different. Here's another one that I saw. Uh, this is a man getting a haircut before and after, 15 bucks. A woman, you know, sometimes pays 275 bucks and it looks, it looks the same. Husbands, has your wife ever come home from the hair salon? And she says, you like it? And you sit there thinking, I, I, I liked it before. And did, did they, what, what did they, did they, you got your hair washed or did you, it looks, it looks, because what we see, it's just, it's just different. Here's, here's another one. Uh, a woman, you know, she goes, she's like, you know, we got to keep things clean, smelling good. And this is what the man sees. He sees another purchase from Target. I mean, isn't, isn't that true? I mean, like we, we often just see things differently. And I know that men and women communicate differently. And I learned my lesson about this the hard way when me and my wife, Amanda, were dating. My wife and I are originally from the Chicagoland area, and a Chicago-style restaurant is actually called Portillo's. Uh, there's actually one in Maple Grove and at the Rosedale Mall, and uh, there's another one uh, location in MSP. And the fact that I know where both Portillo's are in the Twin Cities is sad, but it just goes to show you how much I love Portillo's. This was... Um, our fourth or fifth date in Chicago, I picked her up from her house. I had a playlist ready in the car. We parked downtown. Uh, it was about a couple of blocks away from, from the Portillo's. And 
we're walking and we hadn't uh, gotten to the stage in our relationship where we had fully engaged in holding hands just yet. So, you know, whenever you're testing the, the holding hands waters, you know, you just kind of like just fiddle a little bit. You know, you just kind of throw your hand out there. You're just kind of walking and just seeing kind of what happens, you know, if it just breezes by that type of deal. And so it, you're just trying to see if the sparks fly. Now, me and my wife, we were on cloud nine. I mean, the butterflies was there. I was thinking to myself, I'm walking downtown Chicago with the girl of my dreams, about to eat my favorite food. This is amazing. I mean, we get in line and I tell her, hey, babe, get whatever you want. It don't matter. I, I got you. You know, I'm balling because we have Portillo's. OK, so I say, get whatever you want. She says, OK, I ordered three hot dogs, a large fries, Sprite and a chocolate cake shake. OK, I was hungry. OK, and, you know, here she comes with. I'll have a grilled chicken sandwich in the water. I, I said, you, you, you don't want fries or something to drink? She said, um, no, I'm okay. I, 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 I'm good. I said, now, you sure you don't want your own fries? She said, no, no, we're, we're fine. Now, you already know where this story is going. We sit down, and this is what this woman does. She grabs my large fry and dumps it on the middle of the table, okay? On the middle of the table and says, all right, I just thought that we could share your fries. I was so perturbed, okay? I got up from the table and bought her own fries. Like, we're gonna have our own individual fries, okay? I was so disturbed, I called my mentor and said, hey man, I, I don't know if this is gonna work, okay? Like, I just, I think we got a problem. He said, Ryan, you have to learn to share your fries. We'll celebrate seven years in June, and my mentor every now and then will still ask me how I'm doing with sharing my fries. What my mentor knew about marriage that I didn't at the time was that the biblical picture of marriage is this. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Then it says this in verse 25. It says, husbands... Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You see, it was this picture of a wife submitting to her husband and a husband laying down his life for his wife. This is not a picture that should be used as a weapon against one another to say, oh, you need to be submitting. Oh, you need to be laying down. No, no, no. Here's the deal. Uh, what, this scripture, this picture, it's hard for both. I mean, it's hard for a woman to submit to a man. It's also hard for a man to lay down what matters for him for a woman. But it's easier when they both do it together. You see, she goes into marriage thinking, okay, I'll submit to this dude, but <laughs> we're doing Thanksgiving at my parents' house, right? I mean, I know we're on a budget, but we have another budget for sale items, right? And then he goes in the marriage going, okay, all right, all right, I get it. We're going to lay down my life like Christ did for the church. Okay, that's cool. All right, so we're going to lay my life down. All right, but, you know, I get to go golfing as much as I want still, right? And I still get to keep my car, right? What I've learned as of late in reading about the impact of COVID-19 in, in China is that the divorce rate there has skyrocketed. And when I saw that, I saw it as a, as a, as a caution sign for us in the U.S. that 
Is there something happening there that we need to be aware of here? And while it's true that a quarantine has allowed us to spend some quality time with our families, I think we must be aware at the same time that for some of us, more time has actually done a number on some of our marriages. For some, this time has just been more of an opportunity to get more annoyed and irritated with how our spouse operates. There can be frustrations around a couple of things. One, money and not having enough of it. (laughs) Sex and not having enough of it. Screen time. I mean, Netflix is cool, but on some level, it's like, can we have some meaningful conversations too? I mean, do we have to watch all five seasons in one week? Here's a big one. Housework and child care. I mean, when this isn't uh, what you deem as an even split, when there's the contribution fight, oh man, tension can arise. (laughs) Shout out to all my homeschool teachers out there. I know it's not easy. Managing homework and schedules and meals can be exhausting. When one spouse feels like they're contributing more than another, man, that's where bitterness really starts to simmer. I want you to know something. The enemy will do whatever he can to cause dissension in your marriage. The enemy wants you to believe that you married the wrong person, not realizing that the journey is simply you becoming the right person to be married to. If you're a newlywed, let me encourage you with something. Don't fall for the trap of believing Something must be wrong with us because we're fighting. Conflict is an opportunity to communicate. Conflict is an opportunity for you to communicate. It's not if you fight, it's how you fight. Today, I want to give you five keys to improving communication and conflict in your marriage. Number one, recognize the goal of communicating. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in conflict with your spouse and thought to yourself, what are are we fighting about? And why are we even fighting about? I mean, like you got to this point in the argument, you're like, how did, where, where did this, did this start with the dishes? Did this like, what, what, what is it? I mean, and you want to write this down because I believe this, this can really help you. You want to remember why you're having the conversation in the first place when you're trying to resolve Conflict. The goal of communicating is is first to discover needs. Is there something going on with you that I'm not aware of that I can help you with? I love John's question from last week of what can I do better for you? I mean, you're trying to say, hey, I'm trying to discover some needs here. Number two here is to resolve differences. Is there something going on between us that we need to talk about? Did I hurt you? And not know it. And and, and the third goal of communicating here is to affirm one another. This is where the magic is, my friends. If the only time we need to talk is when one of us has done something wrong, you know, where you get invited to the principal's office, then we're doing something wrong. There should be moments that both of you pull each other to the side and and say, hey, I just want to affirm what you're doing, 
What the other one is doing on the other side of the table, you should be going, you know what? Hey, I, I, I saw you do this with the kids and I just, I just wanted you to know, I appreciate that. Uh, the, the second way that I believe that we can be healthy in our communication and resolving conflict is number two, be aware of your communication patterns. Be aware of your communication patterns. Each and every one of us has one. Uh, it's important for you to be aware of your own personal negative tendencies in dealing with conflict. Um, here are the negative patterns uh, that, that we can all adopt. Uh, withdrawal. This is where there's an unwillingness to, to stay in important conversations. Let me punish you with my silence. But when you do this, I want you to know something. Silent needs and expectations are really hard to meet. They're really, really hard to meet. Another bad pattern that we can pick up is escalation. <laughs> this is where negative responses to one another, they just create a snowball effect. And it just blows out of proportion. Uh, the other one is negative interpretation. This is where everything I say, you, you twist it around. And, and, and this is where you fill in the blank on another person's motives or intentions, and you see them as a whole lot more negatively than it really is. The other pattern that we can pick up is invalidation. This is where we utilize subtle or indirect put downs or thoughts, feelings, or, or the character or another. This is where you use sarcasm and you, you invalidate how they're feeling or what they're thinking through your logic. And you can really in, invalidate one another doing that. Let me ask you this question. Which one do you think you lean towards the most in conflict? This is about self-awareness. I mean, which one have you experienced the most? And would your spouse agree? My wife and I's style of our negative patterns, both of us are withdrawal, okay? It's withdrawal for both of us. And we can go silent for a long time and be arguing with each other in our heads for a long time. But because we know that about each other, we can circle back to some healthier habits of communication and, and, and it helps us in the long run. We can all combat negative communication habits with healthy habits like these. Number one, staying connected. Even if we disagree, it doesn't mean we have to disconnect. We can stay emotionally connected and work through important conversations. Our counselor recommended that we actually hold hands whenever we're having tough conversations. I can't stand that, but... Here's what it does. It sends a signal to each other that we're committed to getting through this conversation. The, the other way that we can combat some of these negative ways of negative patterns of communicating is dealing with one issue at a time. Don't fall for the trap of stuffing 10 issues into one conversation and things escalate and get out of hand. Listen, what's the one thing that you can work towards together? What's the one thing that we could talk about to say, you know what, this is, this is the direction we want to go. We're going to take this one step at a time. Another healthy pattern that we could pick up, and this is huge, it's the generosity hypothesis. Author and speaker Brene Brown often teaches about this. This is simply asking the question, what's the most generous assumption I can make about what they did or said, Okay because we all get to choose to assume the worst or we, could we can choose to assume the best, especially when we're talking about the person we made a covenant with. 
What, what's the most generous assumption I can make about what they said? Were they trying to hurt me or were they just having a bad day? Was there something else going on? And, and the, the fourth thing that we can do to combat this is validation. It's validation. Now, you're not manipulating, you're communicating. Instead of intellectually insulting them with sarcasm and put down, this is where we put ourselves in their shoes and try and understand why they're feeling the way they do and validate why they're bringing it up in the first place. These are some healthy practices you can begin to implement when you're trying to resolve conflict. The next one is fun and comes from 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Number three, on how to have healthy communication and conflict. Keep a record of rights. Keep a record of rights. We did not all come into marriage good at resolving conflict. That's the reality for you and me. But we did all come into marriage really good at keeping score, at keeping a record of wrongs. Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of the most practical and fun things you can do when resolving conflict. I started doing this about six months ago. In the back of my journal, I keep a record of Amanda's rights. Here's what it's done for me. It keeps me from using the, the, the conflict resolution curse words. Always and never. You don't never, you always. I mean, we do this all the time, but my record of rights, man, I, it, it keeps me from using these words because this is the act of catching your spouse doing something right. Um, there's arguments my wife and I have never had because I have a list to prove that sometimes my thoughts just aren't true. One night, Amanda just looked at me and said, I really appreciate all that you do for our family. I was like, oh, let me write that down. Okay, that was something. You said something. Let me, let me go ahead and write that down. Two weeks later, I literally had a thought that went something like this. She never appreciates me. That's a lie. And I had proof. I had proof that it was a lie. I, I even had the time and date in which she said the exact opposite. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me and hear me clear. Satan wants us to believe lies about each other so he can break us apart. Is there anything you've been believing about your spouse that just isn't true? Maybe you need to create a note on your phone that's just a tally of all the good things that your spouse does and says. Imagine if you, on a monthly or quarterly basis, pulled it out and just said, hey, you're not doing that bad according to my records. Now, number four is going to show us what to do with that record of wrongs that we naturally keep the tally of in our head and sometimes hold on to in our hearts. It says this in Colossians chapter 3. It says, Make allowance for each other's fault and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Number four is this. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff. Paul 
encourage us to create a little bit of margin for the flaws and mistakes of others. Give your spouse the allowance of grace you would want for yourself. The reality that each and every married person has is that you married a flawed person and that's your only option. You married a flawed person and that's our only option. Your spouse married a flawed person, whether they like it or not. What I love about this verse, though, is that it's both retroactive and proactive. It encourages us to let go of the past and prepares us for the future. Some of us are just so shocked that our spouse is human. Um, this is what I know about couples. Couples often ignore each other's emotional needs out of mindlessness, not malice. Not malice. Most often they didn't wake up trying to figure out a way to hurt you. Most men don't leave the seat up thinking, oh, I'm gonna show her, watch this. Like who does that? I mean, most women don't make decisions without their husband's input thinking, oh, can't nobody tell me nothing, okay? Like, and I'm just going to usurp my husband's authority today. No, we know that wasn't their intent, but we'll often punish each other as if it was. Uh, I had this friend who was uh, going through a divorce um, over the course of a year, and, and it had gotten really ugly. And I remember we were on the phone talking about it, and he hadn't filed papers yet. And eventually I asked him, hey, man, like, where did all this start? Like, how in the world did we get here? And here's what's funny. I don't actually even remember what he said. And that's part of the point, because my response then was, that's a rather small reason to get divorced. It was so small that I can't even remember it. But this is what he said. I guess you're right. Where were you a year ago before things snowballed out of control? Something small led to something big. Unfortunately, a small reason that slowly led him to be curious about someone else who wasn't his wife. And what was small turned into something big, way too big for him to handle. It's important for us to deal with the problems that are solvable when they're small. Because when they spiral out of control, they might be too big to handle. I think Paul's encouraging us today, you know what? We gotta let go of some of that, those small, petty things that we just kind of fall asleep with and hold on to, what would it look like for us to really forgive our spouse? Now, our strategy and final key for handling some of the bigger conflict items derives from Matthew chapter 19. It says, but Jesus said, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Some, from birth, seemingly never give marriage a thought. Others never get asked or accepted. And some decide not to get married for kingdom reasons. But if you're capable of growing into the largeness of marriage, do it. 
do it. Number, number five is, is this. Manage the big stuff. Manage the big stuff. I love that it says growing into the largeness of marriage. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage is a big deal and encompasses some things that require a lot of grace. There are two key types of marital conflict, solvable and perpetual. We just talked a little bit about the solvables, but the perpetual problems, those can't always be fully resolved. Marriage expert and author Dr. John Gottman says 69% of marital conflicts are perpetual problems that can't be fully resolved. Gridlocked or hardwired issues are so intense and hard to fix because they involve hopes and aspirations that are, are part of our self-identity, dreams of freedom, security, adventure, and honor. I mean, when your dreams seem to be in opposition, you're afraid that accepting your spouse's views will mean giving up your own dreams and identity. And so some of these gridlocked, hardwired things that we really want, the direction we want, man, it keeps couples from having progress. And then eventually withdrawal and so much resentment sets into that marriage that it, it can fall apart. The way that we address perpetual problems is to un uncover the underlying dreams inside of our spouse so you can figure out how to respect and support each other's aspirations without sacrificing your own. I mean, this is where uh, you both come into the marriage with an idea of it going one way or the other. And when one spouse wants to work on their career and they're like, well, I want to work on mine. And it's very hard to give our best energy to two careers in the same house, especially with kids. And this is where that conflict comes, comes in. And, you know, there's this story of Dr. John Gottman uh, who wrote The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And he was sitting with his publisher, uh, Crown Publishing, and he was trying to convince them to put a lot of money into advertising his book. Well, the guy who was the head of marketing then was very skeptical, and he just, he wasn't winning the guy over, and finally he spoke up and said, hey, 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 here's the deal. Tell me one thing in 30 seconds to improve my marriage. He's telling Dr. John, this is good. Come on, come on. Tell me, tell me, just give me, I, I don't got time for seven things. Just, just, just tell me one thing that could fix my marriage, improve my marriage in 30 seconds. And the doctor responded, well, the book really has a lot of things, but if I was going to pick one, it'd be honor your wife's dreams. And the guy stood up, walked out of the room. Dr. Dr. Gottman thought, well, that didn't go very well. And, and it turned out it actually went pretty well because the guy was so stunned by the answer that he actually left his office, took a train back to his house in Brooklyn, and he walked in and his wife said, did you get fired? She said, he said, no, but we got this guy over at the office and, and he studies marriage and, and I want to know, I, I got a question for you. What are your dreams? And she looked at him and said, I thought you'd never ask. I thought you'd never ask. Uh, on some level, we have to wonder, is there something else going on in my spouse that I'm completely unaware of? Is there something else that they want that I am completely unaware of? Why are they using this word freedom? Why, what do they want to get out of? What, what, what is it? And really getting down to the nitty gritty of what's really going on with him. 
Dr. John Gottman, here's what he recommends in his book that I think we should all practice. He says, become a dream detective. Some people might disguise their aspiration as childish or impractical, and they might have lots of insecurities around sharing their dreams with you because they're afraid of how you might respond. But dig deeper anyways, and they will surface without your support and understanding. And then the second thing is this, work on those dreams with them. We do this by listening to them, financially supporting them when appropriate, and taking an active part in, in engaging it when they feel like it will be most helpful. Sometimes taking one thing off their plate so they can focus on their dream is playing a part in their dream. Here's the deal. I know there's lots of issues that are way beyond just supporting each other's dreams and careers that can wreak havoc on a marriage. Adultery is usually one that surfaces to the top. I also realize that there are some of you who are watching this, listening right now, who are in the process of getting a divorce or seriously considering it. The last thing I, I, want, I want to tell everybody about managing the big stuff is this. Ask for help. Ask for help. The mistake that most of us make in our marriages is trying to figure it out on our own. Long before you call it quits, would you do the work of finding a good Christian counselor that can, and again, I, I know some people have had some, some bad experiences with counseling and some people say, oh man, counseling is for people who have problems. And, and here's the deal. Aren't we all those people? Maybe it's even a pastor on staff. Maybe it's a small group. But, but inviting someone else in to say, we need more perspectives than just our, us two, our, just the two perspectives that we have in our marriage. We need more than that. But some of us, are, we just aren't even willing to even ask for help. And this is what I know is that every now and then, you're going to have a breakdown in your marriage. And just like a car needs maintenance, so does your marriage. So sometimes me and my wife, we're in counseling. We go to counseling. Sometimes it's for maintenance. Sometimes it's actually to work through an issue. But here's the deal. We don't want to be stuck on the side of the road in our marriage. And sometimes our counselor is just there to help us find common ground. Uh, about a week and a half ago, I had the honor and privilege of doing my first ever Zoom wedding, okay? I mean, I put on the suit. I did the whole deal. I was not wearing just a suit coat and basketball shorts. I mean, I wore a suit. I mean, I did the whole deal. It was so fun. And I mean, we shared communion. We had nine devices plugged in with family members and friends logged in from around the country. And we invited God to be the glue that holds this beautiful couple together for the rest of their life. And the vows that I led them in are similar to the ones that we all said on, on our wedding day. And it was this, to have in the hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in hell, until death do us part. Now here's the reality. A lot of us signed up for better, richer in health. And the reality is 
Most of us don't have a plan for worse, for poor, and for sickness. And that's what a lot of us ended up with. And I just want you to know today, you shouldn't give up on your marriage too soon. Whatever you're going for, whatever expectations you had coming in, you go, man, I, I, didn't, I didn't see this coming. Man, I, I just think that there's somebody that's watching this message today that you're going to get your baby back. You, you're you're going to get your spouse back because you're going to go, you know what, there, there, that really was something small. That really was, I'm the one that's been withdrawing. I realized that, you know what, I never catch you doing something right. And, and would you allow God to do his thing in your marriage today? Would you be willing to say, you know what, raise your hand and say, you know what, God, would you show up in our marriage, in our house during this season of our life? My hope and prayer for you is that during the best of times and the worst of times, God be the center of your marriage and that you would have a healthy set of principles, that you're going to be able to communicate effectively and resolve conflict. And for the things the two of you can't handle on your own, I pray that you would invite some godly counsel into your situation to help you move forward. Because here's what I know. I know the enemy wants to create dissension. And God's got a plan for your marriage. And God's got a plan for your, your family that you don't want to miss out on. Father, I thank you so much for each and every marriage under the sound of my voice. Each and every family. God, I pray that you would be the glue that holds them together. God, would you help us be self-aware? God, would you help us recognize the patterns that we have in in our life? Would you help us to remember the, the goal of even communicating and, and resolving conflict? God, help us to keep a record of rights. May we catch our spouses doing something right. God, would you help us to let go of the small stuff? Not, let us not sweat the small stuff. And for the stuff that we feel like is out of our control, would you help us manage that through the years? Would you give us grace to grow into the largeness of marriage? In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Hey, it's been awesome uh, being with you this weekend. Have a fantastic weekend as we continue uh, our series. Next week, we're still going to be going through Drive Through Love, and you'll hear a little bit more about this after the message.